Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. Well, you can be seated. Thank you for coming this morning. Amen and amen. Well, is, is it deer season or is it rapture season or? No, Daniel's back, so it must not be deer season. And by the way, I, I want to make a public thank you this morning for Daniel and his wife. We made a little agreement that both of us had a house for sale. So I told him, now we'll agree, and you pray for, send a buyer for my house, and I'll pray for them, send a buyer to your house. Well, thank God somebody can hear their prayer. Because <laughs> by the grace of God, I think we've got our home under contract. <laughs> so my prayer must not be getting through too too good because uh, they've had a lot of prospects and no buyer and we had two prospects and one buyer so that's all that's all right so thank the Lord for that this morning hope things work out okay well it's good to be in the service today see some empty seats here and there but that's all right because uh, how many believes that this service was ordained before the foundation of the world I think about that and I think Lord how good is this service going to be in the morning because you know who's going to be here who's not what we're going to get out of it and what we're not and what it's all about and I pray that it will be a good service amen so we want to continue this morning this is number 26 on the subject of the word made flesh and it is not a sermon on separation it is the subject of separation because if we begin to work down on the rapture uh, thought of the rapture let me make this statement to begin the service. I believe that the rapture is absolutely the word of this hour. Now, you'd have to think about that statement a little bit because you say, well, what about the prophet? What about this? What about that? The rapture is the word of this hour. Present tense today. The rapture would have to be the word of the hour because that is the next scripture to be fulfilled in the process of God. Next thing on the agenda is the rapture, on the agenda for us. And we understand that the rapture process, absolutely from 1962, from the message serves as this the time, that, uh, that absolutely began what we call the day of the Lord. We're in a unique time frame. And only the bride will understand the times and season which they live in. That would be one of the true evidences of being bride. Because you must be able to know the times and season that you are in. If you don't know the time and season that you're in, you need to question uh, basically your walk with God. Because the bride absolutely will know the hour in which she is living and what that message will be. Can I hear an amen for that? All right. So therefore... We cannot basically study the subject too much. For according to the prophet in the sermon, he preached the second coming of the Lord. Now, he didn't call that the second coming of Jesus. He called it the second coming of the Lord. Now, I know the subject of two lords is confusing for people in the message. And it is confusing how Brother Branham used it back and forth and even how the scripture uses it back and forth. But if you don't understand the Godhead or the two lords, 
the Lord said unto my Lord, then you'll have a problem understanding the rapture. Because the rapture process absolutely began way back in the 30s when Brother Branham started and the cloud of here, this, you have a message. We call it the first and second pull. He sent a gift around the world. The gathering and the separation actually began at that time. You said, well, I thought the message was to gather the bride together for the rapture. It is, but as you gather, the combine goes through the land. And the combine, how many knows the combine is what separates? The combine is coming and it will separate the wheat from the tares, the shuck, and everything else from the seed. And the seed will be gathered into the garner. And as Brother Ram typed that, that would be the revelation of the presence of Almighty God with us. We make many statements, and Brother Branham made the statement, and I know people ponder at it, when he said he was only a voice, that he was not the Son of Man, he was only one standing there when he appeared and done the works. So we contribute a lot of things to Brother Branham, which was only a vessel. He was only an individual being used of God, anointed, for the hour to fulfill certain scriptures because every word of God that is written will be manifested in flesh that is our subject the rapture the shout the voice all of that will be manifested in the flesh of someone making us the interpretation of the word now brother Bram said that he had to decrease which he was a messenger to tell you that he is here that he, the one that is here, will increase. Now, the only way that he's going to increase is basically he's going to reveal himself or what we call teach us or open our understanding of himself who is the Word. Amen. We have come to the picture of the coming of the Lord. And Brother Bram said now, in uh, actually the second coming, he said this great subject that we have before us is one of the most vital subjects in the entire Holy Writ. There's nothing so important as the coming of the Lord Jesus. Now he defines the coming of the Lord Jesus, which he is separating that from the appearing of God himself to prepare us for the re resurrection and the rapture. Now, if the Holy Spirit is here, the only way I said he's going to improve himself is he's going to become his own teacher and interpreter of himself, which is the Word. Yeah. Only God can interpret the Word. And he is the only teacher. You need not that any man teach you, but the Holy Spirit that dwells within you, he will do, be the one that's done the teaching. So God has to be bringing us through this process. And what I want us to understand is this. Don't grow weary in well-doing, but make sure your patience brings you through this hour that you absolutely get and are trained for your part in the millennium. God is preparing us because he has separated us. Our message is not the same as you can go down to any other church in here. I looked at a crowd this morning, a little church out on, I said, if we go in there and listen to that church, we probably wouldn't understand even what they was talking about. Because we wouldn't know what missionary program or who so-and-so was that they're sending an offering, taking up another offering, and then who so-and-so was that they take up another offering and tell a story of how many, he got two converts, he built, take up another offering. So that wouldn't, that wouldn't attract our attention. 
We've been attracted by something that's different. And uh, that is what we want to know. We are also, in the message, we are also now called bride. Which you will find is a unique time period also. See, we're looking at the day of the Lord. We're looking at the tribulation period, the sixth seal. We're looking at the rapture, which is all down here at the end time. But there's a space of time in there that we've been in called the bright age. From 1965, Brother Bram said, now you're in a bright age. So that is a space of time. In that space of time, the teacher, which will be the one that's here among us, will increase. And that increase is absolutely bringing you into your position in the millennium. You're not going to go into the millennium and sit there like a, a dumb idiot not knowing what's going on. You're going to know the process. He's not going to, have to say, no, don't, you don't do that. You go over here. No, that's not that. Sit down here and let us take How many believes in Jesus? No. He's not going to do that. He's training you here for a position. He's getting you ready for the kingdom. So you're absolutely being schooled now. Because remember, you can't teach Pentecostals doctrine. They just will not listen to doctrine. They just won't even sit and listen to it. So you can't teach them doctrine. So the bride aid is a unique teaching ministry of the one that Brother Bram said was here. All right, now then he come as a judge. But to us, he's already put us on trial, found us not guilty. Now he's teaching us. He's preparing us for our position in the kingdom of God. And so the information now must be understood. It must become our confession out of your mouth. For it to be manifested. Because the Spirit has got to put it in word form again. For in the mouth of two witnesses, let their word be established. Brother Branham told us, or he was the mouthpiece of God telling us what he was here doing. What was fulfilled. Then he told us who you are. Told you that you're not guilty. Now he give you the revelation of himself in the rapture. For you to be a confession, a witness for that same spirit that's coming in you now to manifest it. So the rapture is not waiting for absolutely God to reveal us something. He's waiting for the revelation that he's given us to come out of our mouth so that he can manifest it. All right, so you've got to understand your position. He puts us in a role of it. See, we get, we're not spectators waiting for God to do something. He's already come Acted it out, told you. Now then he's waiting on you as believers to manifest it. Amen. Bring it back into a cycle again called word so that he can hear, hear his own voice coming back to him through the bride, the voice of resurrection, that he can absolutely manifest it. Bring forth the sleeping saints which you're rejoicing to see. You believe they're here so that we can hear the trumpet call us to the marriage feast of the Lamb. We're fixing to leave out here. Now, our minds are not on economy out here so much and politics, which Brother Brown put as a threefold principle for us to watch to know what time we're in and what's going on so our message would stay up to date, so to speak, with the bride and create this joy. Now, most people don't like to come and hear sermons on the wrath of God and the anger of God and tribulation, hard times, and the end of the world. Because it seems to depress them. It seems to create fear in them. 
uh, and they're a little apprehensive, so they just don't want to hear it. But remember, Brother Branham absolutely made the statement. I looked back up, and he said, uh, in end-time evangelism, he said, now, believer, now, you don't tremble when you really believe. What do you don't tremble about? He said, all those that love his appearing. Now, we know that he has appeared, right? Now, to appear must become visible, Appearing speaks of a visibility. God has absolutely become visible in this hour through a prophet. Now through his bride. He's made visible, who is a spirit, he's made visible in flesh. You'll never see God outside of flesh. Some kind of visible or physical form is the only way that you can see him. You say, well, Jesus was God. Well, if Jesus was God, then there's a lot of people that seen God, handled God, uh, and they're still living. But the Bible said no man has seen God and lived. So what did they see when they seen Jesus? Well, you say, well, they saw, saw the body. That's true. They seen the visible expression of the invisible God. Jesus made him visible. And that's the reason he said, now, when you see me, how do we see? We see him physically, visibly. You see the Father. In other words, I am making the invisible one visible. Therefore, the visible representation of God is God to the people or to the hearer. See, Jesus was God to the hearers, to the people. Moses was God to the people. Brother Branham was God to the people. He wasn't God. He was God to the people. In other words, he was the visibility of the invisible one that you could hear and listen to. And we are told now, if we receive him who is visible, we receive him that is invisible. All right. So we're working our principle on Revelation 10, 1, the invisible, down to Revelation 10, 7, the visible. So when we keep up with the visible, and listen to him. We're actually hearing the invisible one. And the invisible one is now becoming one with you and I. By the hearing and believing of the word of God. Amen. All right. So Brother Branham said now. I get someone writing me letters. Said, Brother Branham you scare people to death. Tell them the end time is coming. Now this is way back in 1962. Which the end time was just right around the corner in 1963. It began. Sirs, is this the time of the end? I said, you're telling the end of time is coming. Scare the church? Now listen to it. Scare the church? My, that's the most glorious thing that could happen. Is the coming of the Lord. The end time. See, everybody's afraid of the end time. But that's the most glorious thing that ever could happen. See, I wish it was, I wish it was right now. How many of us this morning can really say, I wish it was right now? Well, we got one more payment to do. We got one more vacation to take. We got one more ball game to go to. We got one more something to go to. We can wait just a bit longer, Lord. Maybe two or three years before it really gets too bad. And I'll be 90. I'll be ready to go by then. So you can come then. I'm pushing it off to 90 now. You notice that, right? <laughs> Push it off to 90. Then, then Lord, you can, you can, you can come. Because if this is the squeeze, 
If this is our persecution, I say, give me good health, give me a lot of vitamins, and 20 more years. Amen. The squeeze is coming. It's in the land spiritually now already. And we will feel it physically very soon. Watch. It's the most glorious time thing that I ever thought of to meet my Lord. This robe of flesh I'll drop and rise and seize the everlasting prize. And go back to a young man again and live forever with the Lord with all my people. Now he calls us his people now. I can't think of struggling through this sin and trial and heartaches and pains in this old pest house here. He's talking about his body. To leave this thing and go to a crown of righteousness, why, it's the most glorious thing I ever heard. Like the Apostle Paul said, I fought a good fight, I finished my course, I've kept my faith, I've kept the faith, and henceforth there's a crown of righteousness laid up for me, that the righteous Lord, which the Bible said the righteous judge, will give me at that day, not only me, but all those that love his appearing. Amen. Now remember, he's fixing to separate now. Two groups of people, especially the ones that's listening to him, which are Pentecostals. He said, not believes his appearing. There was a lot of people sitting there believed that the presence of God was there because they were there by signs and wonders. They believed it. But loves his appearing. Loves means they're going to go beyond the signs and wonders and stay with it until they become one with it. In other words, he's telling you that there's going to be a separation. If you believe the appearing, there's something going to take you out. But if you love the appearing, which is God the Word Himself, you will become one with it. And he said, such joy to know He's coming. And I say, Amen. All right, with that in mind this morning, let's pray before we read the Scripture, would you? Heavenly Father, we believe that you are the creator, you are the writer of this Word. And you are the only interpreter that can interpret thyself to us. So we ask you to come and deal with our hearts and minds this morning. And may your spirit reveal yourself to us. For we know that we must understand and see you in this hour. We thank you for every soul that is here. And we pray for every person that is represented in this assembly and those that are on live stream. We thank you for the word of God and for the revelation of thyself in this hour. And we thank you for those things in Jesus' name. And everybody can say amen. amen. All right, we're looking at the sixth chapter of Revelation. And our major, our underlying subject will be separation. Because all these subjects is dealing with separating. There's a refining and a separating process taking place. Now watch. The sixth chapter, which we talk about seven seals in the... Is absolutely separating the church ages to the bride age. If we went through the book of Revelation, say church ages, the fourth chapter, which we've been on, the fifth chapter, we'll, uh, we'll go back to that and pick up the, basically the application of the blood, how it changes. Because remember, the lamb leaves the mercy seat, comes out and takes the book. So the application of the blood is different. The lamb is on the throne now. So salvation and the gospel is absolutely different. We've got God down here. Let's go take it back to the 30s and 40s. Now we've got God here. We've got Jesus sitting on the throne, waiting for the Father to fulfill His promise, to bring Himself a bride, you and I, washed and clean, put on trial, already uh, sanctified and able to be presented. 
Now here we are, the messenger has been delivered. Here we're sitting now uh, in school or in class learning our position at the right and left hand of Jesus Christ in the millennium. All right. So we absolutely have been in a separation. Right in between that, chapter 5, we'll look at the breach maybe because there's a breach between the church ages uh, and the seals. There's a breach in here, time periods. We know the time. We've got to keep up with the time. If you can discern the signs of the hour, you ought to be able to know what time you're in, Jesus said. Therefore, knowing the signs and the hour you're living in is evident proof that you are part of it. Everyone else will be absolutely blind and dead up here as to what is going on and what hour we live in outside of that bride. So in chapter 6, we're going to look at what opens up time, what opens up our revelation of the rapture. For without this chapter being fulfilled and revealed to you and I, there will be no rapture. Here's where it's locked up right here. And I think we'll see in just a few lessons why Brother Branham put so much emphasis on the opening of the seals. Why he put so much uh, emphasis on the open book. Because remember, your name is in the book. And it must be spiritually revealed to you as an individual. The word calling you and recognizing who you are for you to know that you're a part of it. This baptism of the Holy Ghost. The Pentecostal baptism, we can be upon everybody. That baptism alone is not enough to put you in a rapture. Amen. It only puts you in a position to hear. It only gives you the ability and access to be open to God, the Word, for Him to become one with you. The mystery is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ is the revealed Word. So there's a revelation, very small one, but very big, called the a rapture that must be in us and be a voice out of us to be manifested in flesh for the change. All right. So the chapter 6 is necessary for us to bridge this time gap, the breach, moving from the church age to the bride age. We are now in the bride age. You have already been going through the thinking man's filter. You have already been separated. You have already been before the judge. You've already been found not guilty. You've already been set in small groups around the world, just like we're here this morning. Now sitting in his presence for him to teach you of himself. It is the Spirit bringing us into a oneness with him, the Word of God. So if we grow weary in well-doing, and well-doing is hearing and waiting, hearing and waiting, hearing and waiting. Yes. Amen. So here, let's read chapter 6. And I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals. Now, watch the designation, the Lamb. Now, last week we put, picked up the wrath of the Lamb. Because the wrath of God is also the wrath of the Lamb, which we'll read in just a few minutes. But now here we see Revelation chapter 5. Behold, there is one worthy. Behold the Lamb of God. And you see in chapter 5 this transition. This bloody Lamb comes out to take the book. And let's call that the book of Revelation or the New Testament. Because it's veiled to us. It's locked up. Until these seals are open, no one knew what was in here. Brother Branham said in a few minutes, he didn't even know himself. 
Certain portions of it he could preach, but it was veiled to him until 1963. Now, if we look back, you say, well, that's 45 years ago. One day is a thousand years. We have just began and slowly into the process of a time period. We are in the rapture cycle, which is a time period. What changes the time period? We go to the marriage supper of the Lamb for 1260 days. There's another time period begin called the sixth seal or the great tribulation for 1260 days. We're doing this. And the, uh, the Lamb comes, or Christ comes down to two prophets to do for them exactly what he has done for us. All right. We'll get to that in chapter 11. I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals. So who opens the seals? Jesus, the Lamb of God. And I heard, as it were, the noise of a thunder. Now watch, everything is they hearing. One of the four beasts saying, come and see. If we, uh, we could get to it. The four beasts in the chapter, what, four and five? What was the uh, uh, lion, the uh, eagle, the calf, and uh, the eagle? Or what was it? There's four beasts on there. Four beasts or one of them said, now come and see. All this blends together into a, a drama that lays out a revelation of God's plan for us to understand. You say, is it essential to understand? I say, it may not be essential to your salvation, but it will be very, very important to your position now and in the kingdom. We've already been pronounced in the kingdom. We're already under the Feast of Tabernacles, the bride, we're already potentially, by the Spirit, in the kingdom. You understand what I'm saying? It's already been spoken. We're moving into the reality of it. Immortality is already in my soul. But it's got to be confessed and what more, grow into it. And it's got to become to a manifestation. Just like these seals. Here it is in symbol form. No one understands it. But now when it becomes reality or in the flesh or clear or made known, then it becomes history. But it's got to be manifested and known. So if we can follow this process down here, we can find out exactly where we're at today and see that we are a portion of this drama sitting here this morning, bringing our faith into this perfection that we can see God the Word clearly in all of its order. All right, watch now. And I saw and behold a white horse, and he that sat on him had a bow, and a crown was given unto him, and he went forth conquering and to conquer. And when he had opened the second seal, I heard the second beast say, Come and see. Now, what John is saying, Come and see, come and see, and he sees a symbol. All right. And there went out another horse that was red, and power was given to him that sat upon upon to take peace from the earth and that they should kill one another and there was given unto him a great sword in other words he's going to give us power and it's going to be a power to cause us to kill one another uh how many how many did we kill last uh two or three years by drugs overdose what is it two or three hundred thousand a year or you take five years at hundred thousand a year that's quite a few people by one addiction now we wouldn't call that a plague or a curse but what else would you call it then 
If we've got over a million people today in America living on the streets in poverty, and that's in America alone, then what would you call it? When the Bible said he'll take a third of the population, he'll do this and that, we say, oh, that's going to be some bad time. No, it's already transpiring. What spirit is behind this political power? What spirit's behind this mentality that puts a million people out on the streets and on drugs? What's behind this young people killing themselves by the literal thousands with drug addiction? What's going on that would cause that? What's going on the last week? We uh, did up shooting people. We got shootings everywhere. Killing each other. Killing each other. Killing each other. Kill oh yeah, that's just, the signs of the, that's just the signs of the time. But what spirit is behind it? See, what spiritual uh, condition is causing the people to act out this spirit, act out this role, and Satan is the one that's in control now. He's in control of the earth, so everything you see acting out is being influenced by Satan himself. But remember, God has reserved unto himself a small remnant in all these uh, population, in all this darkness. There are children of light that this is, they are not a part of the darkness or the tribulation that's to come. We have a promise that God will bring us out of this great tribulation period and has prepared a kingdom for us to live and reign with Jesus who is alive this very minute. Man, that's the gospel and we must believe. Watch. Verse 5, and when he had opened the third seal, I heard the third beast say, come and see. And I beheld in lo a black horse, and he that sat on him had a pair of balances in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four beasts say, A measure of wheat for a penny, three measures of barley for a penny, and see thou hurt not the oil and the wine. Now most of you have read the seal books and heard Brother Brown preach on this, understand some of this symbolism, and a lot of the young people do not. So all this symbolism is telling us something. It's a story. It's a drama. In uh, chapter, verse 7, When he had opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth beast say come and see now the fourth beast was an eagle amen fourth beast is an eagle now under the fourth seal he's getting down to you and I so here's a horse rider that starts out in Paul's day and we'll go back to Thessalonians in a few minutes to pick it up the horse rider or the first seal had already come and already started the antichrist is already riding his trail there's antichrist already there which is anti or era in the word of God Anything that's off one word is an error and is of Satan's kingdom. We've got to come back that we're one with the word. Not theologians now, but we are, have an understanding as once delivered to the saints by the apostle Paul. For he said, my testimony will be believed in that day. And those that believe my testimony will not be a part of the wrath of Almighty God. All right. I looked and behold a pale horse. And his name that sat on him was death, and hell followed with him. Now that is under the fourth seal, which we're setting under today. We are in the fourth seal now. And basically, death and hell is riding through the land. This spirit, all this that you see. And Brother Branham said in J.C. Penney's, he said, Hell had pressed itself up into this dimension. We are in hell 
at this very minute. Hell is here. Now, we have got to be like Jesus, quickened and delivered out of hell to another dimension. God is here, down here with, in hell with us. When you tell somebody to go to hell, they don't have to go very far. They just got to go down the street a few minutes. All they got to do is walk out the door and you're, you're gone back to hell. I know people say, oh, listen, that's the truth. We're living in hell right here on this earth. And I'm ready to go to another dimension. Because hell has got to be cleaned up a little bit. There's a lot of garbage here. that has got to be burned up. A lot of sickness and everything else. It's got to be purged. In other words, you've got to sanctify the room. The earth has got to be cleaned up for us. How many wants to buy, uh, go to a new house and you have to clean it up? Now, a lot of you wants to uh, buy dirty and clean up and sell new. You know what I mean? That's all right. So God's going to buy, he bought this and when it was clean, the devil's messed it up. Now he's going to clean it up again, bring his bride right back here to a cleaned up earth. Now watch. So here we are, we're in this condition now. This is our picture. Uh, and when he had opened the field seal, now this is the Jews, you know that. This is only a revelation telling you that the Jews that were slaughtered under uh, Eichmann and under Hitler and those things was not lost. It was a part of their judgment and they were given white robes. Watch. And white robes were given unto every one of them. And it was said unto them that they should rest yet for a little while, a little season, until their fellow servants, the 144,000 Jews, also and their brethren that should be killed. Now that's 144,000 as far as I understand. As they were, should be fulfilled. So the 144,000, according to Brother Bram in Scripture, will be killed. All right, when we get over to the uh, two witnesses or chapter 11, then the mystery is, do, do, does God turn around and resurrect them uh, and bring them right back up out on the earth after the bride settles? Which he would have to if they're in the millennium. And he says that they will be. But that would put another resurrection or unless God considers it a part of the first resurrection. So we're not, we're not open on that or closed-minded on it. It's just, it's just there. And I beheld when he had opened the sixth seal. And lo, there was a great earthquake. According to Brother Branham, uh, this was done in 1964. Uh, March of 1964, when the earthquake struck Alaska, shook the whole earth, shook everything out of place. He said, now that was the opening of the sixth seal. Watch. And the sun became black as sackcloth of hair. Everybody said, oh, that's going to be atomic farm, whatever more. No, basically that is the sun. And he said, now remember, the S-O-N will be darkened out. The church age is darkened out to the revelation of the gospel at this time. This age was totally dark. And then basically, and the sun, basically the sun also represents the son of God. And he said, no, and, and the moon became as blood which is the church. The moon is the church, which we know that it'll go through the purging in the sixth seal. Everyone that does not make the rapture, everyone that is not closed in to this message or shut in, will be purged under the sixth seal in the tribulation period. You're not going to get in a cave and live through it. You're not going to survive as they're doing in Montana. You're not going to build these underground cities and make it. He's going to shake the whole earth. He's going to blow every underground city apart. There's none going to make it. Everyone is going to perish that does not get out of here by revelation of God himself. Watch. So the moon or the church become blood, purging. And the stars of heaven fell into the earth. How many knows the stars represent sons of God? 
as he called here, preachers, great anointed ones. They claim to have light, but they're anointed by Satan. Even as a fig tree casteth her untimely figs, when she is shaken of a mighty wind. Now we're talking about the, the tribulation time coming. We're talking about the results immediately after the rapture. And the heaven departed as a scroll when it is rolled together. And every mountain and island were moved out of their places. And the kings of the earth and the great men and rich men and the chief captains and the mighty men. And every bondman and every free man hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains. And he said to the uh, mountains and rocks, fall on us. Hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne. Now watch. In the church age, what do we say? Jesus come out, or chapter 5. He come forth, took the book, climbed up on the Father's throne and sat down. Now the Lamb is sitting on the throne. And God comes down to earth in Revelation 10, 1, 1 Thessalonians 4, 16. The Lord himself descends down here to earth. And remember, you have an eagle here, which is a prophet. We're under that fourth beast now, which is a prophet. So God comes down to Revelation 10, 7 to bring us a message or a revelation of himself. And he brings us the understanding of chapter 6, what these symbols are all about. And Brother Brown, we'll read it to you in a few minutes. The understanding of these symbols and what they represent, showing you the time that you're in, is absolutely what literally turns your hearts and faith back to the original faith of the Father are the Apostle Paul. You've got to go back to the original revelation of the Apostle Paul. People are saying, well, we've got to get back to the book of Acts, the book of Acts, the book of Acts. Pentecost in 1920s and 30s repeated that again. Getting back to the book of Acts is getting back to the revelation given to the Apostle Paul. Amen. So that's what we're looking at. Watch. The him that sat on the throne. So at this time, if the Lamb leaves the throne, which is Revelation 19, to come here and we come here with him, then the Father is back on the throne or he can charge. Because look, and from the wrath of the Lamb now, here's Jesus coming off the throne, Revelation 19, and he comes back with a wrath. He comes to confront those that are here with an utter destruction, and we will be a part of it. In other words, we're going to confront all of this mess and garbage face to face. You say, well, I don't have the stomach for that. Well, you will. Because we're ordained to do it. Verse 17. For the great day of his wrath is come. Now, this is a great tribulation. This is basically the manifestation of the revelation. Because remember, we, the seals are revealed to us. We understand the sixth seal is revealed to us. We're in a part of it by revelation, but the manifestation of it comes in the tribulation period, which we're not a part of. How many understands that? We're not a part of the wrath of God or the day of uh, destruction. We are children of the light, not children of the darkness, according to Paul in chapter 5. So we've been looking at this uh, thought or this phrase in the Bible called the day of the Lord. And actually, the last lesson, we picked up the thought, the wrath of the Lamb or the wrath of God. We didn't go through all the scriptures because they're lengthy and they are depressing and they're full of destruction so great that we can't comprehend all of it. But we saw in Paul's day, and we'll look back in Paul's day where he absolutely, I don't know whether he understood the seals or not. I doubt if he even understood John's vision or whether it even happened at this time and date. I don't know. 
But Paul absolutely preaches and brings out the first four seals and teaches them to the church in Thessalonia. So that's the reason I said first and second Thessalonians is all about the rapture or the end of time, what we can expect and who we are and what will transpire today when these seals are open and manifested. We're looking at the seal being opened in a spiritual form, going through the land. No one even knows what it's doing. We're looking at the seals now being revealed to us and it takes a prophet to do that because God interprets his own word by bringing it to pass and only a prophet can look out of here and say now this is this way this scripture is fulfilled all right it takes a manifestation for the word to become flesh or the literal words to God to come to pass so what we're looking at in here there is an opening of the seals there's a revealing of the seals and then there is a literal physical manifestation of the seals so we need to find our time in here and what uh, part we are. And remember, it will not produce fear. It will re uh, produce love and reverence to the Word of God. The message is to take away all fear. To take away all doubt. To assure you and stabilize you in the faith. Because then by that you know that you're a son of God. And you will know... And be a part of your position. I keep repeating that. Your position in the kingdom. We're not going to church just to go to church and hear a lesson. You're going to a class to get a diploma or an education or an understanding. To take out into another area or time to do a job and to fulfill a role. See, I'd just be like an electrician. So, well, I'm going to learn how to work with electricity. When you get a few toes fried and fingers fried off, you'll learn not to do this and that. So that's the reason I require you to go to school and a guy will tell you. Now, when you put this one, this one, you're going to get pew, boom. So don't do that. Do this and that. And they teach you so that when you get an education or understanding, you can go out into the real world, unplug it, put it together, put it together. Everybody thinks you're a genius. And all you do is absolutely manifest what you have learned. So if we're going to set up a new Jerusalem, we're going to have a uh, theocratic government. We're going to have a headship. We're going to have a king. We're going to have a, a, a different rank and file of authority. Then we need to learn that here now. That's the reason why Brother Branham and most of the churches, they don't understand. They think it's something else. It's not law. Why do you strip the headship of the pastor, the headship of the word, the prophet, all that for order, order, order? It's not legalism. If you teach it correctly, it's only training us that we'll be comfortable under a king in the millennium doing what we've been trained to do. It's going to be more natural and simple than you think. You're not going to float around and play a fiddle. I don't know how to play a fiddle. And if I did, you'd be, you'd screech, you'd get tired. You wouldn't, your cloud wouldn't be next to my cloud. I go, well, you'd move. Amen. So it's not the way that we think. There's going to be a, a, a temple. There won't be an animal sacrifice. But there will be a, a kingly order. We'll understand how to address Lord. We'll understand the, let's say the English or the old European language. See, we, we've been rebels over here in America. We're not, we don't have much headship of anybody. We don't respect leadership of nobody. So now we're just natural renegades and how we wouldn't call nobody Lord. 
You want to, the wives won't even call their husbands Lord. It's hey you. Come on, church. I'm just a smarty. Matter of fact, I'm smarter than you, praise God. That's the reason Brother Brown preached about the women wearing the pants, so to speak. He says it's the most abominational thing there is. That's not legalism. He's trying to uh, train you that it's a manifestation of a spirit. And you're here to train our spirit to live under uh, order, a form of government. It's not going to be uh, fear over there. It's not going to be, you're not going to walk around, oh, Jesus, hallelujah. You're not going to have church over there. You're going to be working and walking and raining, doing things, uh, rebuilding houses, vineyards, governments, whatever. You're going to be just almost moral, natural things going on. And it won't be like going to church and everybody praise God. and praise, oh, oh, no. no, it won't be that way. We might see Jesus if we uh, have an opportunity. We might go 500 years and never see Jesus over in Jerusalem. Because we don't know what our part, where our role is, what territory we're going to be over. How many understands now? So you're being trained now to be a part over there. But I say, if you're a teacher here, you'll be a teacher there. You're probably here, be a prophet there. If you're a pastor here, you'll be a pastor over there. See, you're being a part. Every one of us has gifts and roles and callings, and we'll be a part of an order. So I don't have nothing. Well, you won't be there. Why, why would we, why would we, we, we need people to have to wait on and help and, work, and won't work over there? You say, well, I don't like to work. Well, you don't want to be in the millennium then. Because we're going to plant vineyards, build houses, and another not inhabit. We've got a thousand years over there that we're going to set up and do things on earth under a king. A king order. I like it that way. He is our doctor. He is our teacher. He is our lawyer. He's our attorney. He's our king. And he is our brother. And we will like it that way. Amen. So we need to get to... Uh, comfortable with it here so we don't mind saying praise the Lord Amen. See, when we gather over there in the book of Revelation we sing a song hallelujah to the Lord our God hallelujah to the Lord and guess who will be leading that song Jesus himself he'll be leading us in a worship to our heavenly father hallelujah unto God almighty who's leading that course in the book of revelation Jesus the lamb of God our brother because he's not ashamed in Hebrews to call us brethren come on church come on it is a story it is a drama that's been revealed to us by God himself so in our text here and we over into second Thessalonians we'll get in a few minutes Paul already already is telling you that without the revelation of chapter 6, these seals, which is the mystery of iniquity, four horse riders, four seals, is the mystery of iniquity that we're under, which is absolutely a part of the trail of the serpent from Genesis to our catching away. Trail of the serpent from the Genesis, which is, starts out in chapter 1, God, the earth was void without form so there was a cataclysmic or a destruction that went on not a total destruction but there was a destruction went on and was void dark whatever more so there was something before Genesis 1 it tells you that over in Ezekiel I think it was where it speaks of the time of darkness when nothing was all killed whatever more it wasn't killed in the flood so it must have been before that so we start this order again, and now we're in this six-day process. 
to bring us to the seventh day, which is the Sabbath, or the rest are called the Feast of Tabernacles, the Millennial Reign. All right. So we see this great preacher and Brother Brown, the mystery horse riders here, is to the Antichrist spirit from the Garden of Eden, Cain, all the way to the man of sin. And when the God or Satan incarnates the Pope and sets down as the one to be worshipped. Right. And we're there. But that will not happen until the tribulation and we'll already be gone. But we'll find out that the man of sin must be revealed to us. Because that revelation is what separates. Everybody say separate. What separates us from that other group. There's a separation going on this very day. In every message church today. There's a separation going on. So we're speaking of these great mysteries. Which basically is absolutely true doctrine. Our revelation of God's plan. Spoken of in scriptures. And they all lead us to our day. Which the scripture calls that day, that day, that day, that day. Every event in the Bible is pointing you to this day called that day of the Lord. So we're in this time period. We are the children of the day. We are in that time period. The day of the Lord. Right before the time period called the wrath of the Lamb or the great tribulation. The mystery between those two terms, the day of the Lord and the tribulation or the wrath, lays a mystery called the rapture that must be revealed, but the secret of it is hid under symbolism called the six seals, especially under the seventh. All right. Without the revelation of these seals, there is no rapture. We're still locked up. Like John said, there's no man worthy to open the book. In other words, there's not anyone here that can open the book except the Lamb himself, which is God the Word. Watch now, watch. So we're looking at this revelation and, uh, of the rapture being this mystery between or in these seals, and we're at that time period, that they must be revealed to come to the manifestation of the message of this hour, which is the rapture. The message of the hour. It's the rapture. And if you'll notice, if you ever watch Christian television or anything, you know, go to the bookstore, you'll find out that all your theologians and all your prophecy teachers are now teaching on the subject of the rapture. Perry Stone, Ern Baxter Jr., all these self-made prophets now are preaching on the subject of the rapture. Some They got all these graphs on their stages. They got all these uh, creatures and pictures and whatever more charts and whatever more, that has not one thing to do, as far as we're concerned, or how the prophet taught it. In other words, the revelation of the rapture is only and will only be made known to the bride of Jesus Christ. So Brother Bram said, now watch, notice in the rapture message, I want to read a couple of quotes. He said, now, we're living in the seventh church age. Watch the ages, the seals, and the trumpets. Now watch. And when the Bible said that, this seventh church age... When the messenger of the seventh church age begins to sound his message, that the mysteries of all these things that's been twisted up down through the age would be revealed in that time. All right. Revelation 10, 7, that one that come down, lift up his hand with the open book, said, time shall be no longer delayed. 
All right, so when the, the cloud come down in uh, Arizona, they took a picture of it. Brother Branham called it the wig one. He called the guy in, uh, Moore in, in Florida and asked, who was this one with the wig? He, he was a young man when they uh, crucified him. He wasn't more than 30 years old. How come they got this wig one? He said, well, uh, Brother Branham, that's uh, Jesus in his glorified form. He said, that didn't settle too good. No, well, that didn't ring a bell, he said. Then when I was praying, the Lord showed me that it was white hair and it was the wigged one. He's coming back now as the judge. And that cloud, if you look at it, he said, you can see the seven angels making up the wig. The seven church ages is finished. Now we're in the coming of the Lord for his bride. So there is a spiritual coming for us. We have already been raptured out of sin denominationalism and the darkness of this earth out here we're already shut in now that should bring us joy that should bring us true worship you cannot worship God correctly until you realize and know in your heart and truly believe you have been through the thinking man's filter and found not guilty I am a believer. I am a part of the election. I am saved by grace through predestination of God, period. Amen. That ought to make a dead man rise from the grave. Watch. Here we see it. No, it's a, down through the age would be revealed in that time. It didn't say it all be manifested, but it would be revealed. So there's someone that's got to come and tell me what the symbolism of chapter 6 of Revelation is. The understanding of these symbols will absolutely restore me to the original faith of the fathers. It will bring me right back to truly what Paul taught the Ephesian church in First and Second Thessalonians, which was the end time and the rapture mystery. Okay. He said, now, here we see it. The Son of Man coming among his people and doing just exactly. The Son of Man was what? The pillar of fire, he said, was not the Son of Man. He said he was not the Son of Man being a prophet, which a prophet is a Son of Man. It is the Son of Man, which is Jesus, the glorified Son of God, bringing a revelation through the Spirit of the Son of Man. So it is a pillar of fire, absolutely duplicating himself in the ministry of Jesus as Son of Man, through a prophet, bringing the Son of Man revelation back in manifestation again among the church to separate us from those that will not receive it and believe it. All right. So we see it, the Son of Man coming among his people. Now, you say, well, the Son of Man is Jesus. Jesus come among us, not in physical form, but in the spiritual form as a pillar of fire or a light. And what is he doing? He's coming and confirming his message as he said he would do. Now, where did he say that he would do in the book? Revelation 10 7, the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he begins to sound forth his message, the mysteries of God, chapter 6, and under, under the seventh seal will be marriage and divorce, the rapture will be finished up to be able to bring us to a perfection of the faith. It's over, it's done. Set us aside now, and with patience, we look right on this, keep looking at it and looking at it while he brings the conditions, politics, and earth out here in the physical to its place of judgment. All right. 
So we got to put up with Trump and we got to put up with the Democrats and we got to put up with Republicans and we got to put up with these and what more uh, until, until the cup of the iniquity is full. You say, well, I think the rapture uh, is going to take place in the morning. Well, the rapture cannot take place until certain conditions, the hat's laying here, the woman's coming in the door, and basically this one's laying on the bed. And you cannot force these conditions to make it come to pass. They have to be spoken, and then we as actors, by inspiration, being moved by somebody or something, we act out the role until the pieces are in its place. Then it can be, thus saith the Lord, and be manifested. Just for a physical example, the rapture couldn't take place five years ago. You said, how come? Sam was sitting down in Arkansas five years ago. He had to be sitting in a certain place. See, the pieces had to be moved to a certain place. Now, that doesn't mean you've got to move churches. But if, if you've got to be here for the picture to be perfect, you will move here. How come you move? Don't have a clue. It was a lot of work. But in the picture, you have to be here. You have to be here. You have to be here. And besides that, you may have to have a child sitting here for the picture to take place before it can go boom. All right. So you're waiting for the pictures to be moved into his place by the one that is here. The presence of God. I don't understand why people say, well, I can't believe the Prusia. I can't believe the presence. <laughs> what are you talking about? If I would ask you, do you believe God was a prophet? You'd say, absolutely. Yeah. Then, did he ever say, you know, I can't do nothing. I'm waiting on him. How many remembers that? He's here. What was there? No one saw it. They didn't see no presence. Now, they might have took Brother Brown's word for it, but most of them didn't. Because he said, well, now, let me disprove it. See, there's somebody out there saying, I don't see nothing. Some people said, I felt it. Mother said, he was sitting in an auditorium, you can feel when that spirit comes in. How, how can you feel something that's not present? <laughs> see, what, what are you talking about that you don't believe the presence? If you don't believe the presence... There's no presence here this morning. The Holy Ghost is not with you. If I say, how many has the baptism of the Holy Ghost? You'd say, amen. Then if you got the baptism of the Holy Ghost, are you anointed with the Holy Ghost? Come on, church. If you're baptized with the Holy Ghost, then you're anointed with the Holy Ghost. If you're anointed with the Holy Ghost, there's got to be a presence there working with you to cause you to hear, to cause you to work, to cause you to have uh, interest. To cause you to even believe the Word of God. To react to the Word of God. There's got to be a presence for you to react to. Amen. What is that presence? Yeah. Brother Bram said it was God Himself. Yeah. I don't mean to holler at you this morning. But shake your minds. Yeah. Oh, you get around Brother Bram. Oh, you can feel it. Feel what? How do you know what you're feeling? I went to a ball game. I can feel it. You don't go to the ball game, give $45 to sit there and freeze 
whatever often because you just want to be there froze to death. But say, did you have a good, man, we had a good, you didn't have a good time. Oh, you sat there and screamed and hollered because some idiots out here was trying to kill each other. So what was you having a good time about? There had to be an atmosphere or a presence there. There had to be a spirit there. Now everyone enjoys going to whatever and everybody's with it. This guy screaming, holler, boy, he's, going, he's got a spirit on him. He said, I ain't no spirit on me. All right, you go stand beside this guy that's got a spirit on him a whole while. I'll guarantee you it'll jump on you and pretty soon you'll be throwing beer around and jumping just like him. Boy, if we could get a spirit in the church, two or three here and there just following out, maybe it would spread all over and everybody would get in the spirit. I watched that uh, Australian church uh, called, was it Hillsong Church? I, don't, I think that's what it is. And I think they said they had, what, that morning 60,000 people there. Now, that's a pretty good-sized church, 60,000 people. Because they give you a view back here where you can see the congregation. The preacher looked about like an ant down there. So everybody's watching it on screens. Well, Brother Gregory, that's not a true church because they're just watching you on a screen. Well, go down to James River and see what you watch that preacher on. What do you look at videos for? You watch it on a screen. So I stopped and listened to it, and the title of his sermon was Roaring Lion and Barking Dogs. 60,000 people, and his great sermon was The Roaring Lion and the Barking Dogs. So he talks with that accent. You've heard him preach. Well, I got this little dog. He's a happy little dog, but he thinks he's a guard dog. And he'll bark. Everybody bark. Bark, 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 bark. And everybody, 60,000 people bark like a dog. Then he, he, this other kind of dog, he likes to be pet. He won't own a dog, 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 dog. I thought, kill the dog. Get, get on with the word of God. Go, go to the line at least. After about 10 or 15 minutes, he got on the line. Line roars. Everybody roars. Line roars. Line roars. Then they get a little louder. Line roars. About 15 times, they all roar like a lion. Now, that's an atmosphere when 60,000 people roar like a lion. I looked around. There wasn't nobody on, sitting on their seat. Everyone had their hands up, and everyone was roaring. Now, I guarantee you that 50,000 people didn't feel like roaring like a lion. There had to be some sour ones in there somewhere. You understand what I mean? I said, that man has got the greatest ministry i ever seen. He can get 60,000 people to roar like a lion. And we got all the revelation of the mysteries, and we can't get 100 people to say amen. I said, something has got to be missing somewhere, and I think it's the presence of God. <laughs> it just makes you shake your head sometimes. So I continue to listen. And I looked over, moved over the next hour. He was still on. And he was still preaching about roaring dogs and, or barking dogs and roaring lions. So I thought, that's enough of that. I, I, I've got all of that. So. 
Brother Bram said in the rapture message, he said, now, and I stood there and said these things for, I didn't say these things for the prejudice. I say it's because it's life, because I'm responsible to God for saying it. And I must say it. Watch. And my message, all the time knowing back there under healing and so forth like that, was just to catch the people's attention, knowing the message would come. Now, watch what he's saying now. And here it is. Now think real close. And here it is. And them seven seals opened those mysteries. That's chapter 6 that we just got through reading. Those seven seals opened these mysteries. Showing those things is what's happened down through the ages. I didn't even know it. What they were is what he's saying. Now, first, knowing what message would come and what is he talking about here it is. Well, Brother Greg, what he's talking about is 30 years of ministry now and now he's come to... No, no, no. The rapture. I knew all along somewhere down there that this would come, this would come, this would come. And the secret of 1 Thessalonians 4.16, the rapture, its conditions, and the avenues God would take to get you in it, I knew it would come and here it is. The rapture sermon was the capstone of this end time ministry for us. It told the avenues and how God was doing it and has done it. And now it's been revealed to us by these mysteries. And the rapture was the biggest mystery. And the rapture was the message that finished it. Because he said, now here it is. What? He told you that a shout would come, which would be a message by Elijah, and no one on the face of the earth outside of the end time believers in Brother Brown's message would know that the shout of 1 Thessalonians is a message. You run your con computer uh, search on it. You won't find one teacher. You won't find one person. Maybe some weirdo that studied Brother Branham and trying to build it like their own. They might know that. But no one outside this prophet has ever taught First Thessalonians, the condition and the process and the avenues God would take to make the rapture come into effect. And here you sit in it this morning. Praise God. And if you take his word for it, only the elect will realize that. Carrie, y'all want to come? We'll bring this to a close. Now watch. So I want to bring it down this far. If these mysteries is what does it, who in the world is going and when is these mysteries going to be made known to us, which is an essential part of the revelation of the rapture. And remember, Brother Branham taught in the rapture that the bride is waiting for the revelation of the rapture. Waiting for the revelation of the rapture. It is not that there's going to be a rapture. It's not that people don't believe there is a catching away. The bride is waiting for how, when, and where 
and what condition and avenue God will take to bring it to pass. Amen. I mean, it's following now. People say, do you believe in a rapture? Amen. Baptists believe in a rapture? Amen. Methodists believe? Amen. They all believe they're going somewhere at certain times. One more. They all believe they're going somewhere. But you won't find one of them that will teach 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 that the shout, voice, and trump is absolutely the conditions of God being present right here in a bride coming of himself to give us a revelation of himself for the resurrection and the rapture. This is essential for us to move from mortal to immortality without having to wait a thousand years in the grave. You say, well, I, do I have to learn this? I would say this. Uh, make sure that you should understand it. And I'll put it like that. I'm not going to beat on the drums. You don't get this. You're going, no, no. But this is essential for your understanding that you may know and have the faith to be a part of what's going on in your position in the kingdom because the squeeze is coming on us. The wrath is not. The squeeze is coming down. And without this revelation, you're going to miss it. You have to understand the conditions and the avenue God has taken. That revelation of the rapture is a part of it. And remember, this is a repeat. This is not something new. This is a repeat. This is going back and reinforcing, putting us remembrance of these things. That according to Revelation 3.10, and he, this lion won't come forth like a lion roareth. And when he cried, seven thunders uttered their voices. And when the seven thunders that uttered their voices, I was about to write, and I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Seal up those things with the seven thunders uttered, and write them not. Then how in the world are we ever going to know what they are? There's no theologian. Every theologian, you go to John MacArthur, you can go to the greatest theologian of the day, and they'll tell you that the seven seals and the thunders of Revelation 10 are unknown, and no man knows them. But that we must know them and should know them for the rapture. They know that much. But the Bible said, And the angel which I saw stand upon the sea and upon the earth lifted up his hand to heaven. This angel is a messenger. This angel is a messenger with an open book. And this angel, according to a prophet and the book, is absolutely God himself, the one that was on the throne until the Lamb took the book and climbed up on the Father's stone and sat down. This one comes down here, and it has to be a prophet in land because he comes down here, puts one land, foot upon land, one foot upon sea, that is Protestantism and Catholicism. He takes the whole religious world under his feet. He lifts up his hand. He said, now it's time for the revelation. And the time will be no longer delayed. For it's time for the elect to become the children of light. Because the time has come for the wrath of the Lamb to bring judgment upon the earth. So the rapture has, must take place for God to fulfill his word to Israel. The 144,000 and the scene is being set to bring it to pass. He said, now the time should be no longer delayed, but in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound, the mystery of God should be finished. We said the mystery of God is basically the Gentile church sealed in under seven church ages. The mystery of God is the base of the Gentile church moving out of the deception at our ever age under the Antichrist ride of deception. It is that small remnant that walks in the light all the way through. And we found out it was not by works. It was by the grace of Almighty God. And only those that walk by grace through predestination. Was gleaned out of that age and set aside to make up this complete bride. When he shall begin to sound the mystery of God shall be finished. As he declared to his servants the prophets. 
So we want to look, uh, we'll just start next week. We're going to look at these seven seals and seven thunders because this prophet, this messenger, was to do two things. If you go to your church age book, it tells you that he will absolutely turn our hearts by the revelation of these seals back to the faith of the Father, which is Paul. Not Acts 2, Acts 9, Paul. You got to go back to Paul. So I'll, let's go back to Acts 2 4. No, we go back to Paul. Keep your time in order. Ours is revelation of the message. Amen. So this one has got to come back and take us back to the book that Paul wrote, the mystery. Paul revealed this mystery in 2 Thessalonians. We got it right here in the scripture. We can take it word by word. He absolutely tells them about the mystery of iniquity and all that ever work. And the day of the Lord, the rapture, cannot come until this man of sin, the son of perdition, is revealed. To us. That is absolutely under the sixth seal. As long as that seal is locked up. The man of sin cannot be revealed. As long as the seventh seal is unknown. Nothing is known. So the seventh seal. As everybody knows. Is the bride coming of God himself. To the church. To catch her out of denominationalism. Out of the mystery of iniquity. And reveal the trail of error all the way through down to the seventh church age under this prophet. And he brings us out in this special time period. And I give you the quotes. And 1965 is the only time Brother Bram used the quotes telling you that you now, by the opening of the seven seals, understanding these mysteries individually, not that the church knows them, not that I know them, you know them, individually revealed. Then every individual without revelation gathers together corporately as a group with that revelation now being our headship or the authority that we live, worship, and come to church under. Amen. Bringing us to one revelation of Jesus Christ. So this cloud was only the head. We'll get into that. How come only the head was shown in the cloud? No body. Just the head. Amen. Just the head. If you go to Revelation, you find seven things. Eyes, head, mouth, one more. It's all about the head. Headship. Amen. God takes headship. And we, what is God? God speaks of authority. He speaks of power. And he speaks of reverence. So the man of sin will absolutely take the place of God. He will want to be worshipped. He has the authority. And you must have reverence for him. And we already have that revelation. The man of sin has been revealed to us. But not to the world. Because he deceived the world. And they will worship Satan. Thinking that they're worshipping God. In the form of a church. Amen. Let's stand this morning. I know it was just a. A uh, long class maybe, but it'll be all right. Anyway. He said, well, I heard this 30 years ago. It's time to refresh it because of the mysteries now, understanding the maturity is individually knowing these mysteries that has restored you back to the faith. Yeah. We're contending for the faith. How do you contend? You read the scripture and read the book that's open. And you pray to the teacher that's here to open our eyes of understanding to let us know about 
him. Through the spirit of wisdom revelation, the eyes of our understanding being lightened, that we may know him, bring us the knowledge of himself, which is God the Word. Amen? Amen. Glory to God. So we ought to be rejoicing, seeing how close we are to the resurrection and the rapture. I've almost drained out of emotion through the years. I think sometimes, don't, don't you have any more? I used to be able to preach this in the 80s and speak in tongues and couldn't even hardly get through the sermon. It was so overwhelming. And now we can talk about it and preach about it. It's hard for people to stay awake. I, I know that I'm not that good a preacher, but the subject can't be that boring. So there's something missing. Something missing. There's an awareness that's not right. I pray if it's me, that God will remove it, bring you someone that can bring you what is truth that will move you and stir you, get you excited again, move you in the Word of God. If it's you, I pray for God to anoint you, to give you desires of your heart, come under the anointing, come under the presence of God, that we can worship in spirit and in truth together. Amen. We're coming to the headship of Christ Himself. Amen. Coming under the authority, learning kingdom language, kingdom law, kingdom principles, kingdom government. Now, we could sit here and preach on what we think it would be in the millennium, like all the kingdom rules and whatever, but that would only be guessing most of the time because we just don't know. But there is a language, there is a knowledge that has been hid from us about the millennium because as we move from the rapture, Brother Branham jumped the millennium, went to future home. Not only leaves us the progression of moving from the rapture to future home, but he jumps the millennium. It doesn't tell you much in there, but it tells you don't miss it. Don't miss it. So if he tells you don't miss it, he said it would be more wonderful than you can ever imagine. But it didn't tell us much about it. The Bible don't tell us much about it. It just says that it will be there, be a thousand years long, and that's it. Amen. I don't want to rest in the grave. I don't want to be locked up in another dimension waiting for a thousand. You say, well, I get bored waiting on the Lord to come. Well, you're going to get real bored waiting a thousand years for him to come to start it all over again with you. Because if we don't make this change, we're going to be sitting somewhere waiting a thousand years. It won't seem long up here. Because it's been one day. A thousand years is one day. It'll just seem like one day to us. That's, that must be pretty nice. But to those that are waiting. It'll seem like a thousand years. That's a long, long time. To come back. To stand before the white throne. And figure out where you're going to spend the rest of eternity. Ooh, no, that's rejoicing. Don't, the believer rejoices. We have arrived. The word of God is true. It is over. And we rejoice that we are found a part of it. Amen. Amen. So I'm, not, I'm too old to be Pentecostal about it. But I know it's truth. Praise be to God. What are we going to sing? Do you know?